Welcome to A Photographer's Life. The channel that takes you behind the curtain into the world of professional architectural photography. Join us now for an episode with some of America's premier architectural photographers. Today's broadcast comes from a recent Zoom meeting of the Association of Independent Architectural Photographers. This discussion is led by AIAP Director Alan Blakely. We hope you enjoy the show. If you do, please let us know by liking this episode and subscribing to this channel. Now, on with the show. Well, welcome, everybody. I think I think we ought to get started here. John, welcome to you. I didn't recognize you coming in, but uh, good to yeah, see you. Good morning, John. Um, this case, well, this case, um, in this morning, first of all, let me welcome everybody to um, the December AIAP Zoom meeting. And we're talking best practices about estimates, invoices, and licensing. And I brought this up because this is something that's been kind of top of mind and something that I've received by far the most email messages about from members and non-members as well is uh, questions about estimates, invoices, and licensing. Licensing is probably the bigger picture. Um, let me ask the question, first of all, when you when your client contacts you, do you say they contact you by telephone or email? Do you shoot them just kind of a rough price or do you put together an estimate slash quotation or how does that look? What's your first response? You know, I, I normally, uh, if someone requests, just yesterday I had a, a designer send me an email requesting a quote and, um, and I'll call them and talk to them first. Mm -hmm. If they if they know the number of images, I can get them in the ballpark, very close to what the final cost would be. And if they haven't passed out by that time, then I'll usually put it in writing and send it to them. <laughs> and do that's pretty much the same way that I do it. Um, you know, I'll kind of I'll go. You know, if I if I don't know who they are, I'll go to the website and kind of see kind of what they're working with if they work with other photographers before kind of have a feel of kind of what kind of expectation that they have. And then if they have a certain number, a lot of times they'll ask for like a day rate. I don't have one. I basically price, you know, by the image. So yeah. I'll just say, hey, how many images? And then if I'm hired, then I'll ask kind of for more information. We can kind of go down that road. So yeah. Anybody else want to chime in as support your first response is like on that? It depends on the amount of uh, information that they provide in the yeah. initial email. I mean, usually you can tell if they have experience doing this or not. Yeah. Um, and so oftentimes if it's a really short email with just like, oh, how much do you charge? That's when I just start a conversation and I try to get them on the phone. Um, kind of old school in that regard. You know, I like to uh, develop a relationship early on with my clients. And so I'll just find out kind of more like what they're, absolute needs are what the intended purposes of the images and then from there i'll work on a um an estimate that i just send over as a pdf and whatnot but i mm -hmm. usually avoid giving any sort of pricing either just via email or over the phone because nine times out of ten those never book anyway yeah that's I, what i find too oh yeah sorry go ahead yeah Darren. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, uh, I found the same thing. I try to get people on the phone as soon as possible uh, to get some of those you know, foundational bits of information, you know, settled, you know, what they're looking for, what the scope of the work is, and, you know, if there's other parties involved and so on and so forth. And I also find that, you know, nine times out of 10, if I'm just responding to an email, like how much do you charge? 
that that almost never comes back you know like they mm. they i guess are price shopping or something you know and you know even if even if the number that i come up with is probably pretty close to what i would estimate anyway you know just based on experience um you know if i did have a fuller conversation they, a lot of times they just they that that kind of response doesn't work so i think it is uh you know building the relationship as soon as possible is is really the the best way to go and i think but frankly a lot of people aren't really looking for that so it's hard to figure out how to how to keep that boat sailing you know mm -hmm. in a sense and i find um I find that a lot of times I'm one of the first guys to ever respond mm -hmm. whenever a client reaches out to people. Cause you know, obviously they're looking at AIP usually. And so, you know, they're, they're reaching out to like pretty much a few of us on the list. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, the majority of the time I end up getting awarded the jobs mainly because I'm the fastest at responding and I'm the most like concise and uh, detailed when it comes to my responses. That's such an important thing. I've talked to a number of clients um, over this last year, kind of to try to understand their decision-making process. And there's been a lot of them that have said that I got the job because I was the only one who called back. <laughs> I'm the only one that responded, um, which just is amazing to me. But um, I, I think the consensus is that you, you really need to to get people engaged uh, personally, rather than just, you know, shooting them an email and, and hoping for the best on that, because, uh, you know, what if they don't get the email? <laughs> that right. Yeah, no, the, I agree with that, Alan, the phone call is really important. And, you know, if we have an intelligent conversation and it's good, I, I, uh, always volunteer to, I, I like meeting the client mm -hmm. and, and I, and I, if it's a large project, I want to walk through it see what their expectations are. Yeah, absolutely. But meeting the client is really important to me because <clears throat> while maybe 30 years ago, I would have taken every client that called. Today, I'm fussy. Mm -hmm. if, um, if the client and I don't mesh and we're not on the same page and we it doesn't look like we're going to work well together, I'll give them off. I'll recommend somebody else for them because I just don't have time for that. I mean, yeah, I think following us is also it happens. I think following up is also key, you know, as oh, well, yeah. you know, you don't just send an email or make a phone call or, you know, leave a message and that's it, you know, you follow up, you know, within a few days, just to make sure that they got it, it didn't go into junk mail. I've had it where it's gone into junk mail, they're like, oh, oh yeah, we didn't receive it, you know, sort of thing. Um, <laughs> I also think it depends on who you're talking to. So, you know, with the architects, they're happy to talk with you, you know, <laughs> but what I have found as I've gotten older is I've gotten older and the marketing people stay the same age and they communicate very differently. <laughs> And many of them are yeah. very busy and they don't talk on the phone. And so you just kind of have to play it by ear with who you're talking with. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good observation that the, the the marketing people are definitely kind of the same age. And I think that uh what I'm finding too with that is that the 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 trans the um the communications are much more transactional. Mm -hmm. Um and it's so it is hard to, to hook into uh developing um something that's a little more personal, a little more tailored to what they really need in a relationship sort of sense. But uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't pretend to know how to break that. <laughs> well, one thing uh, I like to do, if I'm getting, if I'm getting called or emailed by a marketing director um, of a firm or, or whatnot, um, I tend to ask if they're the primary decision maker or if they work with the team, whether mm -hmm. it's the, 
you know, architect or the design team or whatever. And if they're going to be making the final decisions and if, and if that's the case, which it usually is, then I'd much rather have a Zoom meeting with everybody involved on the project, look at floor plans, basically yeah. do like a virtual scout and planning. And then, you know, at that point, then I'm able to um, kind of win them over because it shows that I have this compassion and passion for the work that they're creating and that I'm not just treating it as a transactional thing. And I think a lot of times, you know, these marketing people, they have just this huge pile of stuff that they got to get done in a day. Mm. And I think if we work hard to take as much of that off of their plate as possible and make their jobs easier, they'll continue to hire us. Um, at least that's been my experience. I've been doing this now officially 10 years. And um, yeah, it's year by year, it just continues to grow. Like 23 was, or 22 has been my best year ever. <laughs> and um, yeah. and I think it's part and parcel to that because I actually ask my clients why they keep coming back. So um, that's great insight. I, um, hmm. uh, that's, that's really valuable. Um, one of the things that I do is have my wife, like she works with me and I have her uh, kind of interact with uh, some of these marketing directors because like, like you, um, like Sterling said, you know, they're all, they're all young and they're usually female and, you know, a 65 year old photographer doesn't like myself, doesn't have a whole lot in common <laughs> with people like that. And so, um, these, you know, 23 year old girls that are the marketing director for an architectural firm, that that's a hard one for me. And so a lot of times my wife will intervene and talk to them and they seem more comfortable opening up to her about what they need and what needs to be done and if they're happy about it or not. And, you know, the, the fact that I completely missed the boat on what they wanted and that kind of stuff. So anyway, uh, following up, you mentioned that Sterling about following up. Um, I, I try to make, I try to find out fairly early on if I've got the job or not. Mm -hmm. So I don't waste any more time on it. <laughs> and uh, that's the reason I follow up so much. But um, yeah, I mean, I follow just the, honestly, like, in, you know, I'll give you an example, you know, and basically she was like, I haven't even looked at this. Like we haven't even, you know, mm -hmm. they're just so swamped with what they're doing with proposals because they're usually doing five different things, essentially, oh, sure. especially on the marketing side. The other thing I'd like to do is if I lose a project, I, I want to know why, you know, and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I kind of take that into you know, consideration for the future as well. So, yeah, so when you go back to reshoot it, you'll know. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's really a good point because I, I had a, a few years ago, I had a designer call me and, and, and she called me back to let me know how nice I was, but she was going to give the job to somebody else. And I said, well, why are you on the phone? You're in front of your computer. She said, yeah, because he was cheaper than me. <clears throat> I said, let's go to his website. So we go to his website and I almost spit my coffee out the picture. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, well, look at that first picture in the residential section. She says, Jazz, you can't see through the window. Oh, I guess you can't. You can't, you can't see the light fixture. You can't see the detail in the window treatment. You know, the floor is blown up. It was, it was hilarious. And after I got done talking with her, you know, I've been working with her for years now, but um sometimes that direct people don't understand mm -hmm. what a quality image is like. And when you educate them, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's a, they don't, you know, they can't, they they won't go the other direction. They they want somebody that uh yeah, that knows what they're doing. Everything that everybody has said is something I would have said, so I'm not going to bother to repeat it. But I will say I've developed a little template uh, email mm. um, 
uh, very often, I mean, when you get those, particularly for those emails that that don't have your name on it, like hello, yeah, uh, <laughs> we're looking for, and you think, oh, you know, but I've gotten those jobs, so it's you, you never know. But I've got a little template, um, the, particularly for the pricing question mm. that explains. If I don't talk to them on the phone, I mean, my first thing, like everybody else, is get them on the phone. There's nothing better. Um, and, and also, if you're the first one to respond, sometimes you're the one that gets the job. I found that that was true when I was a contractor. So th that's old news, I think, in a way. Mm. So I have a template that just says, well, pricing is based on um, the scope of work. So I try to use the language that they use, um, which is something I've learned to I've sort of incorporated more and more. Anything to make them feel comfortable, like they don't even necessarily have to recognize that I'm speaking their terminology, um, as though it's not our terminology also. Anyway, so I can get them off a note really quick because I just I keep it in my drafts in my mailbox. Hmm. It just says, you know, scope of work depends on uh, the time and effort it's going to take. Am I going to have to hire an assistant? Will we need a stylist? I go a little bit over the top and I do it for two reasons. Um, I mean, because most of the time you're not going to get a stylist. You know, I'm the stylist or the assistant is the stylist. Can you go move that chair over to the left? Um, it, but it, it shows them that I'm thinking about things that they may not be thinking about, particularly if they're not experienced. And if they are experienced, I'm hoping that it indicates to them that, well, that I'm I'm experienced. So I know what to look for. I'm thinking about the problems ahead of time, all those kinds of things. So um, I, I find that helps a little bit. And, and then I also include in that letter uh, a brief description of multi-party contracts, mm. you know, because everybody wants to save money. And I don't know about you all, but it astonishes me that people don't routinely try to do multi-party, ask you to be part of the part of a multi-party contract so they can save money as a client. They don't recognize how much money there is to be saved. So, um, but I think there's lots of reasons for that, primarily because they just don't want a deal. Or they have or they're so successful they just don't care. <laughs> so that's what are you gonna do? Good point on um, that. Um, you know, I that's part of every estimate or quotation that I send out is the multi-party breakdown um, for multi-party mm -hmm. licensing. And a lot of times it's the first time, if it's a new client, it's the first time they've ever even heard of it, mm -hmm. which like Barry said, is really kind of surprising. Um, and I'm happy to pursue that on my own if they'll just tell me who the people are. Oh yeah. So, um, you know, I'd, why shoot a why shoot a five thousand dollar job when it could be a ten thousand dollar job? You know, it's. Are there any other terms that that you present to people? Um, I will do this job if kind of thing on on an estimate or a quotation. Do, mm. do you? Are there I any? I just put a thirty day estimate time. Okay, the estimate is good for thirty days. Valid yeah. for thirty days. Okay. Um, uh, I don't know if that means anything, but it protects me if they change if they come back to me later and the scope of work has changed. Well, too, if you if you have that conversation about what the scope of work is, and I mean, at least for me anyway, I I write out as much detail as I possibly can about what they've asked for on that quotation, and and so that if anything changes on that, I'm not held to that price. 
Um, yeah, yeah, also in my proposal, so it also doubles as the agreement. I have basically an optional services. So I'll say, oh. okay, this is, you know, this is what we priced at. But if you want additional images, it's this much per image. Um, if we want to add additional parties, it's this much a percentage per party. So it's already built in. So if they have like, hey, what if we have this? It's already in the proposal for them to figure out. So, and does that serve as a contract then if they accept that? It does, because I rather would give them one thing than two. Okay. Yeah. Anybody else is that, does your proposal then become the contract? And Yeah, that's how I do it too. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So they're, they're getting it all up front so they can just consider one thing. And, um, and it's also the way, um, so it's an estimate, it's an assignment estimate. And I get that out of, um, you know, the templates from photo biz, you know, yeah. and, um, and so there's, um, so there's the licensing section, you know, pricing, licensing and the terms and then signature lines. Um, interestingly, there's not a photographer, uh, signature line, only one for the client. So I've had people send that back to me and say, Hey, can you please sign this thing? Yeah. <laughs> but, um, it's it. So th it's I, I just want I suddenly certainly said uh you you mentioned about extra images and I'm just curious about what your experience is and I don't want to go off on a tangent too much but um something that comes up a lot for me is how many probably for everyone how many photos are we going to get you know and I I don't really like to pin that down too much because mm -hmm. we can get a lot done if it's planned well mm -hmm. on the other hand if I price per image um it's too expensive for people and so I'm, I've kind of arrived at this, you know, uh, hocus pocus thing where we, you know, have to say, let's, let's do a, give me your, your preferred shot list and let's prioritize. And I can feel pretty confident about getting, you know, certain, you know, majority of those done. But if there's more than that, then these are going to get pushed off the list or, we have to do another day or something like that. So I'm just curious about how people are handling how much work and how to price that, you know? Yeah, we price entirely per image. Uh, and one of the things that we are very clear about up front is that uh, you don't have to choose all of, of your images up front. So we'll shoot what we shoot. And, you know, based on the size of, of the project, uh, uh, we'll... We'll give people a reasonable estimate as as to what we think that's likely to be, hmm. but we basically say that if you need say uh, six or eight now for um, for an estimate or uh, an award entry that you're wanting to do right now, then sure uh, license those now. You can then uh, license uh, more down the road if you want to, and uh, we run. Yeah, uh, getting back to uh, the estimate process, uh, we basically run everybody through um, a little uh, set of web-based forms. So they get uh, their uh, estimate, which uh, there's uh, a little button to approve. And then once they uh, approve, then it uh, automatically collects um, their deposit, uh, sends in a PDF. Hmm. And if we've uh, scheduled it up uh, to do so, then uh, they can also uh, essentially choose their days or choose uh, or uh, confirm uh, what we've already chosen for them. So interesting. So one of the, so you mentioned something about your production model, which is your, your pricing per image. So you're going and just shooting what you think should be shot. And are there, how much input from the client are you getting? And I, I found that I, if I do that, I, I run into the issue of possibly shooting on spec, which I don't do. And uh, also missing some of the client's 
input. Yeah, which I uh, find sometimes doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, uh, a lot of the projects that um, uh, that we shoot, uh, particularly for architects and uh, interior designers, increasingly for builders that we've worked with as well, is uh, we always do uh, walk through uh, when when we start either um, online at their office or ideally on site. And a lot of our interior designer clients will actually want to be there for um, at least the first half of, of the shoot, just so that we have a rough plan of things. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, and okay. so it's it's actually fairly rare uh, that we end up missing things. Uh, I tend to err on the shoot more uh, side of things. And, you know, uh, since we're shooting what we're shooting, uh, I always mention that if you need uh, to crop in on a detail from a large image, then, you know, you always have that option. And we've had folks um, who would normally want to, um, you know, want to have an extra detail shot, just basically do that. And that uh, that can get you out of a bench. Yeah, what, yeah, what I sure. do, I, I shoot per image. Um, that's the way we base our our price and and if it's a new client, I will discuss about how many images they're looking for for their portfolio and I'll shoot that and i I'll generally shoot some additional compositions. but for clients that i that I work with all the time, um I don't quote them at all. you know I just go shoot it and I know what they want. I know how many images they're going to buy historically. I know the views that they're looking for. If it's an architect or a builder or a designer. um you know it's all it's different composition for among all three of them but i've never had a um i've never had an issue where we miss something or where we're worried about you know and, and a detail shot by the way i don't let i i don't advertise or or i don't even suggest you crop in to get a detail shot if they want a detail shot i'll change the lens and shoot it um mm -hmm. to me it's a it's a much better image especially if you're shooting a detail for an interior designer and and it, it works for us the business models work really well with for us. So if someone needs a price and they say, I want 10 images, I know on my head, right in the ballpark where that's going to be. And it's it's worked out really good for us. Now, you bring up an interesting point, though, about the detail shots, if I could just kind of interject here a little bit. That, yeah. to me, has been just such a pain in the backside to, <laughs> with um, interior designers wanting details and these cute little tight shots and so I just have to walk away sometimes and let my wife get it set up and, and then come back because it's just such, to me, it just consumes so much time. They're definitely the most picky for sure. Yeah. yeah. It's like a product shot. Yeah, it exactly. Is. It's yeah. like I'm shooting for yeah. a the manufacturer. Yeah. So. What I find though, is I, I actually use that as a, as a, a value added feature on set if it comes up mm. and um, because people want those they, it, it's really for Instagram oh, and for social, yeah. social media. So they, they want to, you know, like, and and sometimes I find it by accident because I'm just zooming 100% to check focus. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, that's actually kind of a cool shot. So look what you can do, you know? <laughs> it's a gigantic file. So you got a lot of latitude to do that. And people like that. So, I, but I hear you, you know, like then you're, you also are kind of opening a Pandora's box a little bit about somebody doing that in a way that is actually not successful because they don't, really understand where the plane of focus is or they yeah. don't understand composition or whatever but i don't know i, I don't find that happens that often so yeah I, you know i this is not quite the same thing but i i was visiting friends that had a little mountain cabin and i 
I took a shot. They had a fabulous view, and I took a shot of the view with my just walk around little Fuji thing. Mm -hmm. And um, he said, gosh, how come when I try to take this picture, it doesn't look this good? <laughs> and I said, that's because when yeah. you take this picture, you've got a zoom lens in your head. And you're disappointed right. that your phone can't do that, right? And I said, I have a zoom lens on this camera. That's why I'm able to focus in on that stuff. And I think that that psychology also applies to, particularly to, to close-ups, particularly mm -hmm. more than anything, because you could stand in a room and their head will will shut out everything except that little vase or lamp or whatever it is. So anyway. Yeah, I tend. I don't to know what that. That's it's not much help, but that's it's just a yeah. way to for, to get in their head. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, they really. Think, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. I, I think it depends on also. You know, I mean, I have some clients who they know exactly what they want. They've got these twelve images. They've got the renderings. This is what they want. And then on the other end of the spectrum, they have no earthly idea. And so I'm basically prepared for everything. Yeah. You know, <laughs> as a certain point. You know, also. Yeah. You know, with all the experience that we have, I, I think we're capable of making our own shots. And so, you know, a lot of you know, if I'm talking with the marketer, I'm talking in their language. You know, if I'm talking to the architect, I'm talking in the designer language. And it's very much a design process, very similar to the way that they work with their clients. And so that's the way that I kind of treat it. Mm -hmm. Well, for those of you who don't know, Sterling actually is an architect as well. So, <laughs> oh, that's cool. Um, he has a little uh, bit of an advantage in that regard. Interesting. Uh, that's cool. So you have my sympathy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got some training that gives him a little bit of an edge. I wanted to bring up just a couple other terms that I've added to my quotations that um, I don't know. I don't know if they irritate clients or not. But one of them is um, I insist on a closed set. I don't want any other photographers or videographers there while I'm shooting. And that happens occasionally, like especially wow. if they invite me to shoot on you know, like their open house media day kind of situation. There is no way I'm going to do that. Um, and I've had other situations where I'm shooting for the builder and, th you know, this home has just been completed and I show up and the interior designer's got a photographer there and the uh, landscaper's got a photographer. And, you know, anyway, I don't, uh, I just insist on a closed set. Um, and that's just the way it's <laughs> otherwise I'm just not going to come. <laughs> Um, well, you know, that that is those are terms that uh, wedding photographers put in their contracts all the time. Oh, yeah. Um, and so if you God, I never even thought of doing that. Um, it's not something I've run into a lot. Maybe I've just not like this experience. But, um, you know, if if you had to explain why that was, then you could use the uh, wedding photographer because everybody's been to a wedding. And everybody knows what a pain in the ass their their friends are. Their people are sitting next to them are in their way with their phone. Yeah. So you know it's an easy you know good wow. That's a good analog. Yeah. Yeah. The the last time I I was well I put these in after a really bad experience where I had I, um, a builder. I was the primary photographer there and 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 there for a long time and charging the most money of anybody. But there was a, <laughs> another photographer that came in for the interior design firm, which chose not to license with me because their photographer was cheaper than the licensing fee that I was going to charge. And that photographer insisted on all the lights out completely in the interior. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't yeah. shoot that way necessarily. I mean, sometimes it lends itself to that, but not always. And so it was just a fight over light switches. 
<laughs> I nearly walked off the job. Um, oh it was just too much. But so I don't no more. <laughs> so that's oh, one wow. of the terms I have. What about you, payment terms? Um, I wanted to get to that before we got too far down the line. Do you talk about how you want to get paid um, at the quotation yeah. time? I, yeah, I, I um I always ask for um for every client. We've been doing this since two thousand and seven. Uh, we we're advertised as green. We don't have we don't use paper. So um, when I have a new client, uh, I have myself, Mary Beth, or Leslie, or somebody a call. And set up the clients, set up your account. And we actually have an account for them. We'll put a card on file and explain to them that the charges, you know, whatever they order, whatever the job is, that they'll be charged that. And they, you know, they get the paperwork after the, the charge. But um, we don't, we really don't take checks here. I mean, I, I have one client that will mail a check, but everybody else, uh, it's card on file. And it works out really well for us. And we, you know, we'll, we'll build a deposit. and. Um, if we know what the client's shooting, when the job's done, we'll just build a card for that and then deliver the images via Dropbox usually. But we do a card on file, set up a client account. Everybody has a card on file. All of you guys got a card on file somewhere for some service. Oh, sure. Yeah. It's something that, that you know, that it's not it's second nature for anybody anymore. Well, well, I have a question because I've, I've heard you say this. Did you have any before? So have you had any, like, because I don't have the confidence to just ask this. Have you had any like resistance to just pay card on file, or did people just kind of come around eventually? Oh no, I've, I've I really haven't because you know it's like um, I had a photographer call me once, same question. He goes, "How do you do that?" And I I say, you know, let's get the paperwork out of the way so we can so we can get the job done. So it, it's I mean, let, let's just you know give me your information. We'll put it on file. I explain how it works. It, it's it's no different than. You know, then you're putting a card on Netflix or or, or anything right. else that you're doing. Um, Do you have people ask you about security that you have? You know, data security and anything like that that you have. I've never, for I've never had that come up. No. Mm -hmm. And and we you know, we send paperwork when we make a charge, so it's not like it's um you know it, it's surprising to anybody, but it, it's expected. If you if you don't want any charges on your card, then don't order anything. But if you order something, you're going to get charged for it. And and we document everything. We're fastidious about keeping all of our paperwork, our licensing. We, I mean, I can go back 30 years and give somebody a document if they need it. So um, I've never had any issue with it at all. And it really takes the, the strain out of, you know, invoicing and waiting for someone to send you a check or go pick up a check or, or it's just, it's so much easier. And, and the financing costs in a lot of cases is something, you know, depending on your, your accounting program or who you're using for an accounting, a lot of times those bank fees you know, they can be written off of your bottom line taxes. So it's just a cost of doing business. You can roll it into your price, but it, it really takes the headache out of working. I mean, it's it's seamless. You just go shoot the job and, you know, you're getting paid. So. I've I've had, I've got some clients that will do that, but I, I have encountered some resistance from, from some companies about that. So Hmm. I, I'm not able to do that like you are. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm really impressed. I, I just, yeah, I, I I may try that once, see what happens. <laughs> I just asked for cash in advance. <laughs> just, just, it's, it's, you know, I, I think you're more afraid of it than, than they are. It, it's, it's possible, yeah. Yeah, I mean, in an interior designer, you know, all you, you all work with designers, right? They get a retainer. The retainer is usually on a piece of plastic. It's yeah. the same thing. If you want to hire me, retain me. If you don't want to hire me, don't retain me. 
this is the payment. I, I you know, I take everybody's credit card. Mm. Um, yeah. You know, but it, it's. I, I think you're more afraid of it than they are. It, it's just that's the that's the payment we accept. If mm. you don't, you know, if you don't want to do that, you can hire another photographer. It's not going to hurt my feelings. I can recommend cool. somebody for you. So, what do you use for <laughs> payment processing? I we use Square. We use Square, which yes. is expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the reason I like Square is everybody knows them. Everybody sees them at food stands and checkouts and, yeah. and department stores now. So when they see that we are uh, that Square is our banking system, um, it's they've got really good security. They're a little more expensive than some, um, but they have an excellent reputation, and we've never had any problem with Square. The thing I like about Square too is um, just the interface, the dashboard, and everything. Yeah. The way that I can pull up invoices and if somebody, you know, needs a PDF or, a, you know, I need to print something and actually mail it to them, I can do that. And it's just so simple. And, uh, you know, the email interface that you can have with clients and um, it is more expensive, but it's so much easier than the other things mm -hmm. I've tried. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. it's definitely the peace of mind is worth the cost. That's for certain. Yeah, we used to be uh, on Square, and uh, it worked great, but uh, we uh, are now actually working with a local uh, merchant services provider that's part of the Home Builders Association that I'm part of. Uh, they um, they basically made the argument that if you're doing a lot of your uh, transactions uh, via credit cards, and we probably do a good solid um, 80 90% of our um, of our invoicing uh, over people's cards that um, if you're over a certain amount, then um, the square fees actually start to seriously add up. And so that one or two or 3% uh, difference, uh, if you're doing large amounts, uh, can actually be a difference in your bottom line. And so we ended up uh, actually switching to uh, authorized.net um, because we were also in the process of changing our accounting system over. So uh, if you've got a local payment uh, provider that works with a lot of other companies like like you, uh, give them a shout and see what they can do for you. Because, yeah, Square is awesome, but it's, as we all say, it's a little expensive. Yeah. I have a question about, um, along those lines, uh, do people prefer checks other people or do you charge an additional for credit card or is that built into your fees and then uh also regarding deposits are people generally taking deposits or retainers and is there sort of a rule of thumb as far as a percentage of the job we, we take a small deposit when you book a job um usually five half a deposit to hold your date and um and and the the banking fees and so forth. We just roll that all into our into our price, our yeah. bottom line. So I, I take half down on on jobs personally. Um, That's yeah. what I do as well. And I, I have found. Yeah. So I got into trouble maybe about six or seven years ago where I was really busy. And I kind of got max on the deposit, and what happened was uh, the uh, people were postponing and scheduling and re and what I found is with the retainer does not happen. Everybody's on time. <laughs> Yeah, we yeah. we we take half down with a new client, but existing yeah. client when they book a date, we just put five hundred on their card to hold the date, um, and 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 that's you know that that's a nice thing to do too because when <clears throat> they have some a little skin in the game, they'll make sure they they keep the date because if you let us know you know the day of that you're not going to shoot, then you you lose your 
your five hundred dollars. Mm -hmm. That's so that's a good for, point. For a new client, we um we take fifty percent down for a new client. Um, you mentioned that you know to hold the date, and that's the terms that I put it in. Is that in order to get this on my calendar, yeah, you have to pay this, um, or it's not on the calendar. Exactly. And so, um, that's been huge. Is to is to put it in those terms to them, and then it's not a big deal. I don't think they they just do it. So, well, I yeah, and yeah, along those lines, I mean, I have uh, something I put in my in my uh, terms and conditions that uh, is pretty common for um, advertising photographers, which is uh, if you cancel within 24 hours, I keep everything, or I have the option to keep everything. Mm -hmm. And if you cancel within what, I don't remember what my terms are. I got to read them again. I'll read them tonight in bed. Um, but, you know, you get half. And uh, also that any expenses that I have accrued, um, even assistance, people that I booked or equipment, that's 100% also. Mm -hmm. I don't get any pushback similar. on that, but you never know how much people really read the terms and conditions anyway. So, yeah, the people that I've, I've had a few clients that I used to have that same set in there about um, if you cancel within a certain amount of time before the shoot, then you forfeit a certain amount and so on and so forth, like you just described. But I've had quite a bit of pushback and people strike that out. So mm -hmm. I don't have it in there anymore. Mm -hmm. I just assume that we're going to, there is a 50% down and um you know, to, to book it, but um, I just assume that we're going to reschedule, you know, I, I guess I just take, I hope anyway, <laughs> but you know, they, they know that they have to pay up front and it's a retainer. It's not a, it's not a um, deposit. I don't call it a right. deposit because a deposit indicates that you might mm. have to mm -hmm. refund it. If you call it a retainer, it's, it's spent, you know, good it, point. You're, 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 yeah. it's a legal term of art retainer. Yeah. yeah. Good point. I, yeah. Uh, what about actually, you know, your final payment? Um, does anybody wait for that? Or what, what's your expectation on getting settled with the final amount? I used to do net 10. And now I just do due on receipt. And, um, and people are pretty good about it. Or, you know, it comes pretty soon. You know, um, I just don't have the, the cash flow to wait for any length of time, really. Just, I just want it. You know, like usually I've already delivered the jobs and they're already on Instagram. They've already put them wherever. And so you got to pay. <laughs> so I just make it do on receipt. You know? That's where having the card on file is so nice because when you deliver oh. the job, you get paid. Yeah. You get paid before you deliver the job, actually. Yeah. yeah. And that, that's a good good way of looking at that, uh, mm. Norman. Um, I, the way I've got mine set up is, is and it's in the terms and conditions where I will bill for the full shoot um, at the end of the shoot. So it's 50% down. And then once I'm, I'm done shooting, then it's another 50% that they get billed. I begin processing the images. Um, sorry, I'm getting a door knock now. Um, so, um, and then um, I, I begin processing those photos. And then once I go to deliver the photos, they can't download them or use them unless I get paid. Now that's normally with like new clients and I'm building relationships with. Once yeah. I've got a good established relationship with the clients, then um, I'll, I'll let them have the images. But yeah, they, they usually pay within 15 days. So, you know, in my terms and conditions, uh, well, it's in my licensing terms um, that there's no, I mean, they're not licensed to use the images until payment has been made in full. And so uh, oh, yeah. I, I make that clear up front that um you cannot use these images until we're settled up so oh, yeah that's on the front of my contract and in the terms and conditions yeah yeah 
the yeah the 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 licensing is contingent on payment in full yeah the language is in there i i i'm not that strict on making sure that happens because usually there's such a deadline and you know i it's so I, i've not really known how to do anything different than just get the pictures out as soon as possible send the bill and then they just they pay i, I haven't really is very very i've only had like one or two instances in my entire career where people have given me trouble about something but in payment wise or i'm really really you know searching people down for like hey what's going on with this payment or whatever so, in the end they need the photos so yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know i mean that is the nice thing about it they need the photos so they're gonna have to pay at some point yeah good point so who i was curious just uh, sorry to interrupt i just am curious about um the the software people are using to generate licenses and uh estimates and contracts and uh, is there is there a consensus on a on a on what to use i i'm i'm open for suggestions i i've been using the photo biz for a while but i don't know I, it, it's I, got some limitations i have a, a license that um, was put together several years ago um with uh, an intellectual property council and it's just a one-page document and i've been using it now for you know 13 14 years um because some of the licenses from software like you're talking about that you download they intimidate the client they in some cases they scare them to death because oh there's this document that document and this is really simplified and i'm willing to send it to anybody if you want to look at it you can use it um but it's worked really well for me it's self-explanatory it's anybody can understand it and it's it and it protects me i've never had an issue with a with an attorney when someone's stolen from us or with pixie or anything like that it's it's really worked out well hmm. yeah i don't use the i don't use the can templates i i've modified mine significantly mm -hmm. so it is it's like a one pager yeah, it's like it's really really easy yeah. but i'm just wondering like from from a platform standpoint and workflow like generating that stuff and license tracker and i don't know if that's really even valuable any longer but um pixie <laughs> <laughs> well, that's our next stop on this discussion. And I wanted to get to that before the top of the hour. And that's that's licensing. And mm. I think most of us are probably using Pixie at this point. Um, a lot of us are anyway. Um, and as we've been talking about this, well, and in my discussion before this, uh, we really started into this um, proper. I wanted to uh, maybe give the option of uh, what and see what you thought about inviting an attorney here to from Pixie to to, to maybe have a discussion um, and offer some sure. insights. And and um, I'm talking I'm talking about David Deal. I don't know if you if yeah, any of you worked with David. Um, um, I work cl more closely with him than I'd like. <laughs> uh, we kind of correspond daily, um, but I thought I would invite David maybe to uh, to sit in on a discussion with us here in the next couple of months and just see where we are. Um, is anybody using anything other than Pixie um, or just on your own to track licensing and well, to track yeah, infringement actually, rather? Yeah. Uh, not, not for licensing um, specifically, but uh, I'm using my CRM system for pretty much as much as possible. We're on Zoho. So we get uh CRM invoices, books, uh, and uh, work drive. 
Uh, and that's not seamless. So if you are technically inclined, that's a system that works really well and is actually fairly cost effective. I've seen some really good stuff come across my email from uh, the folks at I think Bloom. And if I were starting fresh, I would probably take a look at them. They have seemingly grown in the last couple of years. Mm. Uh, we were looking at them when they were under their previous name and they weren't quite mature enough. But that that looks interesting as a sort of combined business management thing. We were basically serially dating CRM and studio management software for a while and ended up basically coming down to the conclusion that, well, if we're going to do this, we kind of have to do something that's customizable because none of the studio management software providers out there think the way that we architectural photographers think uh, and have the sort of licensing issues and all that uh, that we do. So and they're we mostly geared towards wedding photographers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, anybody still using Digimark? Answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Digimark was a, we used those them years ago. And, um, you know, it, it worked a little bit, I guess. But but I found Pixie to be whatever software, whatever their algorithm is, I find them to be phenomenal. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I, I am thinking about a petition, though, to have them change their name. Yeah, um, because I get I get email or calls nearly every day saying I got this email. Is this really a company? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I wish they would change their name. Something with a little more teeth in it than it's it. just yeah, it, yeah. People don't take it seriously until they you know yeah. they get the demand letter and then they think twice. But um, they've been they've been excellent uh, for me, and it sounds like for many of you they've they've worked out really well. Um. I'd love to hear about them. I don't use them, but I should, okay. I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you really yeah. should. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it was such an eye-opener. Um, I uploaded my entire archive, digital archive anyway, for the last 20-odd years. And they came back with hits that I just could not even fathom. Um, yeah. Thousands of infringements. And, yeah. Um, and then that got boiled down to the areas around the world where they actually have jurisdiction, which is a lot. And um, and then all of a sudden the money started rolling in. You know, so um, it's does that coincide? Really Pardon me. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I was just I, uh, as a follow-on to you. You said you uploaded your entire archive, and I'm just wondering if that's something that you've also is it all with Library of Congress also and and, and filed with um, with the Copyright Office as well. Not all of these were were copyrighted. Um, I think David's terminology is in a timely way. Um, <laughs> talks about, um, yeah. So th yes, but but now um, the process is, and the, and the Pixie provides the interface to do this to up, upload. I do it every three months. So mm -hmm. to the Library of Congress to Copyright Office actually to, uh, it's the Copyright and Trademark Office to register those images, and they right. do that bulk submission. Through their they do. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah, there's. I've done it. If I mean, I've I try to keep up with it as much as much as possible. But mm -hmm. how to keep the database of what images have been yeah, registered and which ones are not, and how do you how you go back to find it? I, it's a lot. To yeah, you almost out. have to document it yourself and identify yeah. the images in your own file system that they've been yeah. because the U.S. Park Copyright Office offers no help in that regard. Right. No, there's there's no way to search. Twenty years ago, and you know, I don't know what they are. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, but Pixie's been really helpful with that too. They'll take a batch of our images and and, and take care of it. So yeah, they seem to be the one that that drives that too. They'll say, you know, we need to get this this year taken care of. And, oh damn! And, okay, that's and amazing. they do that, which is which is pretty amazing. Um, I think we're going to wrap up here, and but I wanted to um, kind of introduce the next meeting that we'd like to have, and this is in in leading up to the to uh, the PMA convention. I don't know if any of you have ever gone to PMA, the Photo Marketing Association. Um, what I'd like to do is present them with a wish list for equipment from the AIAP. As to what cameras and lights and whatever else architectural photographers would like to see or would hope to see from these manufacturers. And uh, PMA, I believe it's in end of February. Um, and I would like to be able to at least present this to the association and say, this is what, you know, this small and significant part of your market is <laughs> and what they want. Um, because I don't think we have much of a voice when it comes to the manufacturers, but there's sure some things that I would like to see different and changed and new and better and th those kinds of things. So I I'd like to have that discussion in January. Hmm. And so I'll schedule that meeting. And if we could kind of think about that and then um, we'll probably, you know, add a, an additional subject to that at that point. But uh, I don't have a date for that yet, but I will shoot out an email to everybody with regard to that. Uh, anything else that we ought to bring up before we wrap this up? Any anybody well, sitting on something you want to talk about? David yeah. Papazian, oh. I'm sorry. Jonathan. Go ahead. Well, David Papazian couldn't be here, but he gave me a few questions he wanted okay. to approach <laughs> with the group. Yeah. For those who don't know, David is a, a architectural photographer based out of the Portland area. Now it's not yeah. related to licensing, but he he's wondering if um, the people that you find in the in the photographs. Um, are they generally models that are there or people that are there on site or are they composited later in post like from stock photos or something? That's a good question. Thoughts? <laughs> Most of the time it's, um, like, at least for my stuff, it's people that are there on site. Uh, we'll use just local people as models. Um, we have in the past um, hired models, but that's always a bit of a... Uh, frustration on the shoot day because uh, if some models are part of any sort of um, uh, group that requires certain breakpoints in the day it, mm -hmm. it can really mess up <laughs> the shoot with regards to lighting and whatnot so uh, we tend to um, my one client and I specifically will we'll just craigslist it and we'll just put out a thing and mm. uh, we'll hire people who want to be models but aren't part of any sort of groups or any sort of um, thing like that yeah, if we if we have a shoot and they want people in it, um, we'll have a model release for them. Like if it's an employee that'll be dressed for the shoot, uh, we include a model release with our license so that we can use the images and we don't have anybody come back saying you know a modeling fee. Um, or we'll hire models. But, um, usually, we usually don't shoot images of just you know people that happen to be there. I, I don't like doing that. Yeah, One similar. Thing. I don't. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Sterling. You you take it. <laughs> yes, uh, similar. Like I I don't like doing it. I will say I had that request for the first time this summer. Um, top twenty firm. And apparently they do it all the time. And like, you know, I don't know the ethics behind it. You know, um, we went ahead and did it. Um, uh, but I think it's gonna be a, a more much more common request as 
time kind of continued. So I'm not sure how to bridge that gap because I, I don't like doing it, but we did it. What do you do for uh, model releases? Do you do a paper or electronic? I use a paper. I do electronics. Yeah, I, I use a paper release and I just scan those. I use, I use climb a PDF. I use a paper model release. Yeah. Um, I, I don't like doing it. And our policy is that if they want people in the shots, they need to cast them. Uh, I don't want to be casting people uh, at this point. Um, and I don't want to be trying to find people on site necessarily. And that happens a lot where, mm -hmm. um, so I will ask, you know, the firm to, to provide people. And sometimes they'll bring in their staff, uh, to populate the shot yeah. and, and that's, that's fine. Um, but I'm personally, I'm really tired of blurry figures going down a staircase. But... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know, the, the advantage, though, to the blurry figures is that you don't focus on the faces. That's what True. I think. Is. I choose other kinds of work. And if there's a living thing in a photo, that's what your eye goes to. And so at least if it's blurry, they're not going to spend as much time looking at it as they might at the, the stairs. I find architecturally having people in the shot a lot of times just takes away from the, the whole point of the shot. You know, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of people, a lot of students in this building, you know, big fat hairy deal. You know, <laughs> what they, want is a, they want a picture of the, uh, of the building or, or the space, not the students. So uh, I, I agree with Alan. I'm, I'm tired of it. I mean, I, yeah. I see so much of it. Well, yeah. I, I mean, Norman and I've been, you're shooting a long time and uh <laughs> we're started, we're when i started out you just didn't do that you know it was no. you, you clear the space you make it look like architecture and yeah. um but now i hear over and over well it gives it scale and i'm thinking how big do you think people are you know <laughs> <laughs> and if they've never been in a building before <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so i don't know well i would like to make a pitch for uh i have no financial interest uh the, the, the only decent online or not uh, electronic release that I know of is easy release. And you can set it up as a template per job if you need to. And it becomes very simple. You, you know, you take the picture using the app, it puts their picture right into the release and you uh -oh. get their email and then it sends it to them. Oh, so nice. particularly on an iPad, it's a little easier on an iPad than it is on a phone. It's very mm -hmm. fast. Um, and it's pretty stressless. And I think the easier you can make it for people, the better. And it's based on, you know, the Getty. Getty is the 800-pound gorilla for all this. So it's totally legal and, yeah, it works pretty well. And they don't charge a fee. For Barry, what was that called? What's that? What was it called? It's called Easy Release. The other thing I like about the electronic is, for example, if I'm shooting a university, for example, and we have we're using you know the the college students. They're always very agreeable to help out, and oh, so yeah. you know oh, yeah. instead of giving them paper, you, yeah, I mean they they're they don't even ask. It's just like oh, it's an adult asking me for something to do, and they'll just go ahead and do it. So yeah. you know it's easy for them to just sign the iPad. They get an email, and it's done. They're used to being on camera. Yep. You know, it's different until yeah. they become famous. <laughs> <laughs> then they sign a model release. Without or they won't do anything. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up, Justin. That was a good question. Did yeah. he, did David have anything else? To, to... Yeah, he did have. It's uh, again unrelated, but he wanted to know how people are cleaning their sensors if they're doing it themselves or they're sending them out. I I, I clean my own. It, I just I, I do both. 
Um, yeah. And I, I'm going to be doing a, uh, I'm going to post a video on the, the the YouTube channel here in the next month or so. Um, I have a device that I've had for 20 years that I created um, for sensor cleaning. I, I will show you how to make it. Uh, wow. Okay. And um, it will save you so many headaches um, for dust in your lenses and in your camera body. So um, it, it's an e it's an easy tutorial. I'll put that together here. I'd, I've had it ready to go for a while, and I'll I'll uh, I'll get that out there. But I send my stuff into Canon every year. I'm a Canon user, um, and I'm in that Canon Professional Services program, and so it's free. So my body, my camera body's going every year to get cleaned and everything like that. But I, like Norman, I, I do the same. Every thing. shoot, I clean my sensor. I I check my sensor before yeah. I ever shoot. So I, I clean mine um, usually before every shoot, and every year I send my camera bodies out for a CLA. Yeah, and I've never had a a break. I've never had a camera breakdown. I so. mean, to me, it uh, it's back from when I used to shoot stills on film sets, and it was you know check the gate. <laughs> you know, yeah. on, the, on the pan of flex but um yeah i do it all the time anything else justin there uh that was it and, and pixie he was wondering about if people are still using pixie and having success with that i think you guys have answered that question yeah i think i think uh david just signed up with that and so and he seemed like he was having a good time but yeah. um yeah we should all get a fund going so we can we can get barry to sign up for it <laughs> <laughs> i have t-shirts made up barry needs pixie <laughs> no guilt guilt will take care of it yeah. no cost. low cost i was really reluctant because i just wasn't sure with with the name pixie if they were for real <laughs> yeah but um my goodness i mean they've sent yeah. me thousands of dollars this, this year so um, yeah i i started out and i sent them 10 pictures i, I put my toe in the water and and they had five valid violations out of those 10 pictures oh my god i couldn't believe it and and like you um I still, I haven't got my entire catalog uploaded, but um, I'm into the film base now. I'm surprised uh -huh. how many film shots huh. are are being are being used. I mean, it blows me away. I shot something, you know, in 1992, and it's it comes up on Pex Pixie. I can't believe it. I haven't even started my film uh, stuff yeah. yet. But, um, oh yeah, you you'll wow. be blown away. Along along those lines, with Pixie, uh, Alan, you mentioned you had some negative interaction with the company that had infringed on your copyright. Um, was that the only sort of pushback you received personally or directly? From um, no. Um, that's one of the stresses that I've had this year <laughs> is that I've had a lot of people will get the thing, the, the email or the telephone call from Pixie, and then they call me and they yeah. want me to fix it for them. And, um, and so I have, I don't take, you know, I don't take the call if I can help it. And if I do take the call, I say, I'm sorry, I'm, I cannot, you know, uh, by contract, I cannot intervene. And I let mm -hmm. it go at that. And then I also have a, an email template that I shoot out to them. If they do happen to email me, uh, you know, this big, long thing about how they are being taken advantage of, I send that out and just saying the same thing that Pixie's authorized to pursue all infringements and that I cannot intervene in this situation. But I... I would say mostly it's it's my local market, you know, lower budget stuff where I get the worst pushback and have the most irate people. The big companies tend to settle this stuff. And, you know, it was an oversight. We'll take care of it. Yeah, sorry about that. 
Yeah. But it's, uh, you know, I've got a landscaper that has dragged on for months now, and it's escalated to the point of going now to court. And uh, and I've gotten calls, you know, a, a lot of calls <laughs> on that one. So I just try to avoid all that. Um, sometimes, you know, there'll be weeks I don't I just don't answer the phone because <laughs> I don't want to deal with these folks. So um if you want to get a hold of me, you have to email. Kind of thing. <laughs> I, I, I'm like you, Alan. When when a client calls me, I'll just say, you know, they represent us. They're our photography. I, I call them our agent. Mm -hmm. They were them. And, oh, well, I'm licensed to this. I said, yeah, but the person you gave the photo to is not, you know, so it's, and that's usually what it is. It's a third party. Someone just, they think they own the pictures. They never yeah. leave their license. And well, it's, to bring this always, kind of full circle, yeah, we need to it's have always that the lower end clients that that give me the that, yeah. that'll call. Me. I've never had a, a a commercial client call me over Pixie. They just, you know, it's an oversight. They'll pay it. And um, the bigger and clients, they, they know better. I mean, they understand oh, copyright. Yeah. They have to deal with it themselves, right? So yeah, they, the there's no argument, <laughs> right? Yeah. And that you just I just wanted to bring it full circle that you have to have that information in your in your invoice and quotation and everything that that it's a single user license. Um, I was hoping Brian Dressler would be here because he's um, kind of a an evangelist for that licensing terminology. <laughs> but hmm. uh, um, yeah, you, you know, you need to stipulate that 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 is a single license and it's not transferable. So. Well, that's a really good point to add to the because I have, you know, the pretty typical, it's a non-exclusive license, but I, it's it's sort of like a non-word for some people, you know, like it's, I think, clarifying that single use, non-transferable and super yeah. clear language like that is a great idea. That's really great. Um, I've got some language now that um, uh, David Deal, uh, the, the law firm that Pixie works with, um, collaborated with me on and i'll i'll post that on the facebook page hmm. um but it, it's just it's my image licensing terms and it it goes on my estimate or quotation and it goes on my invoice and it, that it seems to have alleviated any question about who owns the photograph and what they can do with it so yeah um, i've got a question alan yes um has anybody had any kind of experience here in Florida, I do a, a lot of high-end homes and I find that the multiple listing services here like to slap a copyright on the images they put on the MLS when they don't have the copyright rights to them. Mm -hmm. Has anybody come across that in their markets and have you done anything about it? Because to me, it's blatant. I mean, it's on every image, thousands of images that Third-party yeah. photographers have taken, and they're claiming they have a copyright on it. Yeah, Tom, yeah. Tom it, it, it's um, just to answer that, uh, I, I did have that happen where some people have taken our pictures and, you know, a, a wallpaper company, for instance, they, they like the shot, and they put copyright on it with their brand name, and they put it on their website, and it was our image. And and that went right. Pixie seen that. It's so blatant. It went right to the attorney. They didn't even send a letter. No, they had the attorney take on it. things on things like that. I get it. This is I'm talking about on yeah. a daily basis. They're uploading thousands yeah. of images that third yeah, party photographers have taken. Yeah, Tom, yeah, this is this is something that um, it is a little bit different animal. And I know exactly what you're talking about. And um, I I will shoot you an email after this meeting uh, of an attorney in Boca Raton. 
who is working on a class action suit. Okay. Um, and uh, because this is, yeah, this is kind of a separate deal. It's it's a little bit unique, and it's right. incredibly egregious. And uh, so um, I will put you in touch with him. And actually, I'll post it on the website as well. Um, Perfect. Yeah. Thank uh, you. Because I just, it's yeah. getting, it's getting to the point where it's, I don't mind them posting it because I'm selling the real estate agent, the rights to those. And I yeah. don't mind them posting them, but don't slap a copyright on there because you don't have the copyright. So yeah. that's my, my complaint uh, about that. So yeah, anything you can yeah. send me, me, I would appreciate. Let me put you in touch with him because um, he's actually looking for photographers who will join the suit and uh He's in Boca, and and uh, that would be a good fit for you. So, uh, and then I'll, I want to I want to also thank you, Alan, for um, just a, a little thank you for uh, the business that your group has generated for me from um, various sources, architects, and things like that. It's been well worth the investment of time and money um, to be a part of this group. So, thanks again. Oh, thank you. I sure appreciate that. Um, if if the bandwidth that I'm paying for is any indication, everybody should be doing really well right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the visits to the Find a Photographer directory have just been massive. And I know a lot of that is other photographers and retouchers from India and Bangladesh and, <laughs> and Vietnam. But um, there are a lot of photography buyers out there that are there. I mean, I'm. I'm turning work away. So I hope that you're all benefiting from that as well. I'm going to wrap this up now. Thanks so much to everybody who participated in this today. This has been a really worthwhile discussion and uh, okay. this will go up on um, the podcast platforms and, and YouTube and uh, probably in the next couple of weeks. So if you want to review this and in the meantime, I will put those things on the, on the Facebook page uh, that we've talked about here earlier. Um, I did get kind of an interesting um, little announcement that we were the um, highest ranked podcast in Japan last month. So, All right. <laughs> wow. <laughs> in, in the photography category. So, so I thought, yeah. Zubarashi this day. I'm big time in China, just so you know. <laughs> I get a lot of activity in China. Wow, that's great. Thanks. Thanks so much to everybody. Hi, I hope guys. you have wonderful Take care. holidays. Um, Take care, guys. Holidays. Thank, get you. In January. Thank you. Happy holidays. See ya. This has been another episode of A Photographer's Life. If you've enjoyed this program, please let us know by liking this episode and subscribing to this channel. A Photographer's Life is brought to you by the Association of Independent Architectural Photographers. This episode is copyrighted and may not be used in full or in part without the written permission of the AIAP. Please join us again soon for another inside look at the world of professional architectural photography.